Here we go, counting it down in three, two, one. Do we really need to count it down? Listen. We're already talking. Oh, my God. <laughs> you want to do this thing so this. crazy professional? You have to. No, I have to don't. have a marker because I'm the one who edits them after. And well, I can barely it, hear myself. You can't just look at it and just tell. You no. can barely hear yourself. Anyway, it's the Art and Span <laughs> Show podcast. Uh, we are very excited to have Alfonso as a special guest from Heartsick. What's up? Hello. Alfonso from Heartsick. Oh, my God, man. It's good to have you here. Yeah, it's good to have you. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Again. It's right, been right, a while. right. Well, we did train at yes, one point, yes. and uh, my schedule has gotten really, really unfortunate. <laughs> so, uh, just so everybody knows, Alfonso <laughs> trains in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Wait, time out. You guys trained together? I was teaching him out of my garage. Yeah. You guys are like four different weight classes Jiu-Jitsu. apart. Like you, you, and he would crush me. <laughs> like I, everything I tried, yeah. he could counter so easily without losing any breath. That's crazy. But that's because he knows the techniques. Yeah. And it's like, it's not about strength. Like, if you have two guys who are on equal footing, well, then strength can be a differentiator. But even then, it doesn't have to be. You know, I like... I think, yeah, like as a martial artist, you know, we everybody wants to be like, oh, well, you know, it's all about technique and without strength. Like, we have to be realistic in these situations. Yes, like, if like if I'm out on the street and Span decides to like punch me in the face and I fall down and like tries to get on top of me, I may have a hard time yeah. countering that. But if I'm ready for it, then it may be a different story. So it. There's, you know, if you're we, ready we for be... it, it may be a different story. Exactly. Oh, hush. If you were ready for it, I'd be squashed in a second. <laughs> so my question is, when did you start your love for for mixed martial arts? Um, actually, I grew up in a really rough neighborhood in Miami, Florida. That's where I'm from. Okay. Uh, and I used to get picked on a lot, a lot, a lot. And my dad got really sick and tired of me getting my little butt kicked yeah and uh one day i was nine years old i've always loved like kung fu and like martial arts movie and his and i actually wanted to do like karate yep but my dad was like no uh this is what i can afford and he couldn't afford anything so what he did was he literally had a friend who was a judo a jujitsu and a keto instructor and they came to a deal where it was like I'll just let you train my son and have yeah. him for whatever you want to do and it'll be free. And my my sensei was like, yeah, sure. So I literally started when I was nine and I did judo and jujitsu every single day of my life, seven Ooh. days a week from when I was nine till I was 17. And I was literally my sensei's like little whatever like dude i was i have the here's the craziest story i'll show one story with you because it's so ridiculously crazy i was i will never forget this i was 12 years old and it was the summer and most normal kids when they're like half summer and they're 12 are like running around being little like whatever like crazy kids in the neighborhood not me i didn't get that chance i had to get up at six in the morning every single day and then go train judo and then go like help teach like camps and stuff around like schools that my sensei had like contracts with. oh my god but that's not no that's not the part so you think like you think that like he has me there to like just train these little kids you know like preschoolers and stuff no he had a contract with this like 
school that he would he was helping do like they're like landscaping. I don't know. I have no idea. The point <laughs> is, is that I'm 13 years old and it's me and my other buddy. And he's got us literally like doing landscaping, something I've never done before <laughs> with like barrels. So for free. He's got you working. For free. Working, for free. working. So the, the one specific thing I remember is he put us in this room and he says, we have to have this room painted and tiled by the end of the day. So here are the materials what? and this is what you're going to do. And we're just looking at him like... <laughs> What are we doing? I have no idea. I've never laid tile in my child life. Labor laws, right? man. Know, man. Yes. Broke all of them. Yes, I've never laid tile in my life. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm 13, and he's like, "Figure it out." So at the end of the day, after eight hours, we painted this room like yellow, bright yellow is like brighter than this yellow on this microphone. And we did the tiling, but I've never done it before. And he was like, you just got to mix this and this and you just do this. And we're like, okay. So he comes in and I'm literally stuck in the center of the floor. He's like, what are you doing, you idiot? And I'm like, I, I don't know. He's like, you're stuck, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. He's like, did you start from the outside in? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, figure it out. So he left me there for another two hours to like dry. You that just stood there? Childhood. Yes. Yes. That was my childhood for like all of my nine to like 17 years old, dude. Oh my God. Oh my God. Dude, it was crazy. You just open the door crazy. and you see little Alfonso just oh standing there. Dude, I have another story. I have another story where like I, we were teaching judo to like, um, like mentally... Uh, like unfit like kids that had a lot of problems were like in a mental hospital and stuff and we'd yeah. go there and teach it as therapy right and he's like he wouldn't tell me this stuff I'd just like show up and I'm like <laughs> every day was a new day okay yeah so I'm like again I'm like 13 or 14 and we're doing judo in this like room with all these kids that like come from really broken homes have problems and stuff and he's and he would be like you gotta go full force and I'm like Okay, what? so I went with this one kid. Like full force with kids who have not trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> and Judo and stuff. Yeah, it's just like, don't worry, they're fine. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I throw this kid and this kid immediately gets up. Dude looks at me and I was like, something bad's going to happen right now. It just decks me straight in the face. What? And I just stared at him and like all these people run in the room and like tackle him on the floor. And I'm just like staring at him. He's like, are you fine? I'm like, yeah, he's like, good. Way not to cry. <laughs> he's just like, keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, my sensei was nuts, bro. Do you, I love that man. When you think of those stories, and obviously when you're in mixed martial arts, it's it's a respectable. Oh, it's absolutely. not even a sport; it's a lifestyle. Yeah, it is. It's a lifestyle. So, absolutely. What have you taken from the mixed martial arts and the judo and jujitsu world that you can use today, specifically in your music? Oh, easy, man. Uh, you know, to me, it would be self discipline and and passion, and it would be. Also, the ability to realize that you don't accomplish things in one day. Like, I was nine years old and I started judo and it was the absolute hardest thing I have ever done in my life. And then I transitioned into Brazilian jiu-jitsu about five or six years ago. Mind you, I'd been doing judo from when I was nine till my age now. 
and I started jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu five years ago. And it was, again, the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life when it came to like kind of teaching and learning and all that stuff. And it's like... Can I jump in real quick? Yeah, Just absolutely. an anecdote. Like in judo, the way you win a match is called an epon. That's mm -hmm. when you put somebody on their back from their feet. Right. You can get half points if you put them on their side and everything else. Right. But the, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, being on your back is not a dangerous no, thing. No, it's the most yeah. comfortable thing. It's the most comfortable, yeah. exactly. And you can do a lot of attacks yeah. from your back. So it's like changing your mindset from, even though judo was actually derived from jiu-jitsu yeah. and Brazilian jiu-jitsu from that, like judo is kind of the sport version of all of that. Um, I'm not gonna get into the whole history, but basically because it's it's an entirely different mindset on how you attack and how you strategize. Right. So it's like going from having to get somebody down to just kind of like, come down with me and yeah. let me yeah. break you into pieces like that. It's like the entire mindset and training regimen had to be, plus also, with judo, you stop at the elbow and the knees. Jiu-jitsu, you go all the way, and there's so many things yeah, when you go. Yeah, yeah. so it's like it changes the entire game. And it's that, crazy. That's a good point that you make because applying that to music, it's like and applying it to what the band has done and what the band has accomplished. And what we've done is, you know, you can just use that in Adderley, you know, changing from one martial art, which is relatively a cousin of the other that right. was born from that, but it's still so different and there's so many new things. So when I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, from judo, it was like all these rules that are set in place in judo do not apply in Brazilian yeah, jiu-jitsu. It's a whole it was, different math. And it was yeah. hard to to get used to that. And it's the same thing. It's like with music and especially the kind of music that we make, it's like there's no there are no rules basically now. Right. Everything I mean, we've been doing this band for a really long time and we started this band when the internet was like sort of in its infancy still, you know, for bands and MySpace and all that stuff. And now none of those rules apply and everything has changed. And it's the same way in martial arts. It's so similar. Yeah, yeah. And on top of the fact that it's like in, you know, when you start doing something like judo, jiu-jitsu or martial art, there are certain rules, but you need to learn the rules to break them and you need to right. learn. And then after that, there's no like there's no right or wrong way to do something once you already know. It's like there's guys that, you know, I, I would argue that especially in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and in judo, if you learn three or four techniques, that is all you need. But you can apply those three or four techniques right. in like 8,000 different ways. Yeah. There's no right like or wrong way to do, to do those. Yeah. And it's the same thing with music and the same thing that, especially in the heavy metal and rock world, where, you know, for such a long time, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen it, dude. Like, you, you're, you're in radio. Like, there was a certain format that you had to follow yep. all the time. Yeah. You know, you had all this other stuff. And now it's like... All these rules don't apply anymore. The internet's come and, you know, the ability to promote yourself and do all these things. And now it's more like who has enough in the pot and knows enough but can bend those rules to yeah. be the best at it. And that's that's how I, I can apply it. I think it's also, you know, and you said that it's sticking it out. It's yeah. going through the process. Oh, and they say a lot of times with bands or with anything, even with fighters, yep. the second that you're like, oh, I'm not cut out for this or I'm not ready for this, mm -hmm. could be the second that everything clicks for you. Absolutely. You know, 
And with your guys' band, you guys have been around for so long mm-hmm. in the trials and tribulations. I mean, uh, Terry and I had the privilege of seeing you guys at Michigan Metal Fest. Yeah. And it's something to where that's a form of paying dues, getting in the car, loading up the equipment. Oh, I saw you doing your own load-in. You know, And some of the biggest and most talented bands, if you're not familiar, when you get to a big enough level, you, level, you have roadies and people who load mm-hmm. in. But you yourself are an expert at that now. Oh, you know how to load up and set up and set and tear down and everything. Absolutely. When 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 did you realize that you had something with Heartsick enough to keep pursuing it? I mean, me personally, I'm a really stubborn person mm-hmm. for one, and again, just tran- like just using like martial arts analogy, it's like you learn that like like you said. It's like you you hit this wall and you're like, I'm never going to get past this wall. But you have to keep hitting that wall. You hit that wall. And then eventually you're like, one day you're like, oh, my God, this worked. Like, I, I, I finally choked this dude out or I finally got this armbar or whatever. And it's the same thing. I realized that we had something special with this band when I I am not kidding. I realized the the first day that we jammed in a room together. It it was I had been in a band before. Mind you, this is only my second band. Before that right. I'd been in a band in Miami when I was in high school and I was in that band till I left and moved up here. And the day that we all got together in a room, and at that time it was six of us, and we just played a cover of the Deftones, My Own Summer, it was like I was like, yo, like yeah, this is this it is it. Like this is this is has clicked. And that feeling that I had that very first day when I was 18 years old and in our drummers back then basement meeting all the guys, I still get that same feeling every single day that I wake up and every single day that we go to maybe half practice or half shows, like that's never left. I won't lie and I won't be like, hey, this is really frustrating. And (laughs) some days I really, I'm just like, I'm just so over this. But at the end of the day, I feel that same way. And because of that, that's how I know that it's something special in my opinion, but you know, whatever. So when did you decide to make the jump to promoting shows with bands that are at or bigger than your level? Because you've been doing this for a minute, but it wasn't until recently that I realized you actually promote shows now Two. At what point did you decide? Because for the full disclosure, people, uh, King Eight One Knows coming to the loft on Michigan Avenue in downtown yeah. Lansing, and Heartsick is direct support, and this is Alfonso's show that he's yeah. putting together, or that he has put together. Now we're waiting to uh, put it on. Tickets are at theLoftLansing.com. Yeah. Get them. Yeah. yeah. But um, when did you decide to make the jump to full on promoting your own shows? Um, actually, a long time ago. So mm-hmm. when we, so when we first started the band, Lansing at that time did not have any credible venues anymore. Uh, there was a venue here in town called the small planet but that had just closed and it was in east lansing like right on the strip there and so there was no lansing designated venue besides a place called the underground which was uh in the base in the uh, basement of a church here in town as well and we were very fortunate to have a band called summer dying 
who had a bigger name than us and was a really amazing local band from here start kind of like just making us their little brother and taking us under their wings and i would see that basically they were doing their own shows they were you know art galleries here in town they were just renting out to do a show they were renting out like vfw halls to do shows and the only other place to do shows was max bar and at the time we didn't have the internet so it was like we were nobody and the people that booked at max bar didn't know who we were we were just some like whatever band and they didn't care so we had no clout we had nothing to go on and looking at the way the the scene was back then being so underground and bands you know just renting out venues and stuff I kind of just started going towards and gravitating towards that real punk rock, real hardcore ethos, which I love. I'm a big punk rock and hardcore fan, but I saw that sort of work ethic and it resonated with me. I like that kind of work ethic. I like the whole idea of like, you know, doing it yourself. If you want it done right, do it yourself kind of thing. And I just started kind of gravitating towards that and just, just from there just started doing my own shows renting out venues losing a ton of money maybe sometimes making money <laughs> you know which is the story when you're a promoter and it yes. just kind of built up from there and then eventually uh jerome from the loft who's a good friend of mine you know was just like hey man i'm known as your hard work and you know do you want to just do some shows here at the loft and you know we'll work out an agreement on how we can make that happen and i was like yeah dude and jerome's awesome he's believed in us since he jerome was the first big lansing venue when it was uh the temple club to let ah, us the temple club. yeah to let us play a bigger venue dude so i owe that guy the world man so he's just kind of taken me under his wing and let me do my own thing and then the guys from fusion shows they just it kind of was just kind of just work 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 and people just kind of take notice when you're doing the right things or when you're just trying to do the right thing so i it was art who told me that dave from king 810 excuse me <clears throat> Game from 810 does Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Oh, yeah. And I had it in my mind. What if they hooked up because they both know Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Yeah. How did that whole relationship Oh, come no, together? dude. So, number one, Dave does uh, no gi, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and the guy's an animal. And I'm. Real I'm quick. No gi is with the uniform. Yeah, no yeah. gi is without the uniform. Yeah. And. and not Dave, naked. You're just wearing, like, shorts <laughs> yeah, that'd and t shirts. That's kind of weird. It'd be, it, it's if you not were Roman, I mean, I know, you could, yeah. You know? And it was like Pancrace naked. All right, let's all. Yeah, whatever. Let's now do you it. pay extra for that. But um, <laughs> I I I would love to train with Dave, but Dave will probably murder me. He's been doing it a really long time, and he was actually a professional MMA fighter as well. And the dude, yeah, yeah, and yeah, he went what two and oh? Yeah, the dude like destroyed yeah. like the the uh, his other opponents. But anyway, so actually, I've known Dave since he. I've known Dave and Eugene mm -hmm. uh, since they were twelve years old. And the reason why I've known them for that long is because there was a there was a venue that's still around, but it was in a different area called the Flint Local. Mm -hmm. And we would play there all the time in Flint when we were under our different name, No Life. And we would book shows there. And Dave and Eugene were just kids in the crowd. And they ended up just like falling in love with No Life. And they would come to every single no life show that's at crazy. the Flint local because that was Dave's hangout. If you read his book, that's where he would go all the time. And we just have always sort of maintained that relationship. And then he started his own bands, Arms Of, Ars Latum, all that stuff. So we've known those guys since they were little kids. They've been fans of ours for like ever. And then King started making a reputation for themselves and they got banned from every single Everywhere. venue here in the mid-Michigan area. 
And I met Dave. I was at like a random show that we played outside in like some like barn or something. I don't know. And Dave was there and he was like, yo, what's up, Alfonso, blah, blah, blah. I got this new band. Like call me on my cell phone and help me get some shows. And I was like, okay. So like, I didn't know who they were. I just, I love Dave. Dave's my dude. Like we've always been friends in Eugene. So I called him up. I booked the show. The venue got super mad at me that I had King and one And I was like, no, this show's happening. I will put my name on it. If anything happens, you can blame me. And the shows went off without a hitch. And then somebody else got a hold of them and put on a show on them. Of course they did. And then it just went nuts. But yeah, so it's I've known Dave for a long time. And so I have Eugene as well. It's crazy because uh, I've been following King for, for years. I remember they played a show up in Traverse City at the VFW. Yep. And some stuff went down up there. And they oh, weren't dude. ever allowed up there ever again. Uh, and, I mean, that's the story that's of the story. King, though. I mean, and it's it, if you think that the music isn't a example of real life experience when it comes to they're not. Oh, yeah. there's. there's there's no definition of fakeness in that band. No, yeah. But when they take bands on the road, they make sure that they're legit bands. Yeah, and obviously, absolutely. you guys know each other. What was that like to kind of, you know, you scratched his back and now he's, you know, bringing you guys out to, because your first show is tomorrow, right? Yeah, no, first show is today, actually. Today. We leave for, I get out of work and then we go straight to Ohio. Whew. And then I come back and I go back to work and then I leave work again. And yeah, until we leave like the state. How did, how did this all come together? Because King, they go on tours when they want to go on tours. Yep. You know, so this isn't a label push thing. This no. isn't a manager's telling them to get on the road. No. How did this little mini tour come together? Um, For one, the guys in King, I don't know, the things that they talk about and the things that they do and how they are as a band, that is them. And I always laugh when I see people talking tons of trash online about them yeah. and doing all this stuff and calling them fake. And I'm like, listen, if you saw Dave or Eugene in a dark alley, I 100% would guarantee you would never say that to their face. <laughs> I wouldn't say it to his face, and I've been friends with the dude forever. Dude, yeah. it's keyboard you know? tough guys, man. Like, yeah. Keyboard yeah. tough, they can say everything from their phone, yeah, dude. but then they meet you, it's like, oh, I'm a big fan, I think you're great, yeah. yep. you little... Yeah, yeah. And, but the funny part is, is that those guys, the reputation they've gotten, is not because of them as the band, it's always been their fans. They right. just resonated with the fans that it caused that kind of like craziness. It's like when, if you go to see Slayer, no one in that like demographic that's there to see Slayer wants to see any other band from other right. than Slayer. And all you hear the whole time is Slayer, Slayer, yeah. Slayer. Even when Slayer is playing, people are yelling Slayer. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. been there. I've yeah. seen it, you yeah. know, and their fans are the same way. Um, to... To be invited to go out on tour with King Iwano is awesome because it I had a hand in helping them kind of reestablish their ability to play certain shows in Michigan. And I'm not saying that like with an ego. It's just like it feels good to help your friends, especially when they come from sort of the same background in certain aspects that they do and they return that sort of favor and love because you don't see that a lot anymore. A lot, you know, we can all agree that the era in like the early 90s when you had like new metal and hardcore and all that stuff really blowing up, a lot of that happened because those bands had each other's backs, you know. Yeah. Sick of it all, yep. you know, Madball, H2O, yeah. all, you know, Core and Pantera, Limp Bizkit. Yep. All those bands had each other's backs. It was like they were all hanging out and playing and then something happened where it's like bands now only care about themselves and they're like afraid to help any other band out because then they're going to get bigger. I don't know. It's weird. But for Dave and that camp to acknowledge us in that way and let us go out with them when they're vastly more popular than we are. We are a popular underground band, but they have 
they have an audience. Dave has an audience as well. And to be invited into that is number one, amazing. And number two, I'm, we as a band are extremely grateful. And that simply came about because we're run in the same circle of friends in the industry. The guy that booked the tour, his name is Ed, good friend of ours. He's in an awesome band, which you've seen, corn cover band called Freak on a Leash. Yes, I have. He does booking and he helped book that tour and secure those dates. He was generous enough to put us on some dates and then the, the label that we have a licensing deal with, they're friends of ours. They kind of bought some of those shows and put us on some of those shows and Dave was like, well, why don't we just put them on the whole tour? I mean, we've known these guys for a year. We're fans. Let's just make it happen. And that was cool. And to me, that's what I love the most is we live in an era where you can pay for almost anything. You want to be famous? If you got enough money, I'm going to say it. You could probably become famous. You have two, $300,000 at your disposal. If you dump enough money into it, I would argue that you have a very good possibility of becoming popular, famous as to some dirt, you know, poor band like us out from the streets who has to earn every single little thing that they do. This is something that you know, and I don't care how it makes me seem, but we earned this. Like we went out there and we've done this. We didn't pay them anything. We didn't buy onto a tour. They recognized the work that we put in. They know us as a band and they helped us out. And we're eternally grateful for that. And for me, that speaks way more volumes about what can be accomplished as a person than just having money in here. Go and put me on this tour, which right. you see all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of bands, a lot more money who can't do anything. Yeah. Bands who spend millions of dollars. Yeah. Excuse me. Bands whose parents spend millions of dollars. But I yeah. think when you're genuine and you guys are a band, you know, seeing you for the first time a couple of weeks ago, you guys, like, you... You are in that same genre of metal. There's, it's such a big genre. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah, for sure. But you guys can very easily go toe to toe with King Eight One Zero. You guys have that same passion and energy and that that grit, and for you sure. hear that in those songs. Absolutely. I've always thought like, when it comes to this tour, the way I've looked at it is like. Dave has this aura of darkness around him and that really works well. And then we have this kind of aura of like melancholy, but kind of light that kind of balances out when it comes to the music. Yeah. And I think that really goes well together. And I think that us as a band, we could tour with almost any band and it would would work out fine for us because we're heavy enough when we need to be to just appeal to, you know, whatever bands that love really heavy destructive metal and then we can appeal to bands that like a little bit lighter more singing stuff and i feel it's that's the kind of music we've always made and it's always been diverse and i think as we've gotten older and as we've made better music it's just gotten more the ability to write that kind of stuff has become more uh mature in that aspect so i think we really do fit well and i think people do see that we do what we do because we're passionate about it and it's not some sort of like i don't I really don't care about being famous. I don't care about being some rock star. None of my guys do. I could tell you that at the end of the day, dude, like once we're off stage, if you just buy us a beer and come and talk to us, we'll probably be your best friend. For <laughs> no, because I'd be trying to drag you into doing stuff and you're like, okay. And then like, it's hard to get a hold. I mean, you're so like, you do, you are the artist. You are, you are eternally the artist in the most strict way of understanding. Cause it's like, your focus is on the art. Yeah, absolutely. You're, and the relationships around the art. Absolutely. And it's like, it's like, 
Oh man, like I want you to have so much. I want you to blow up outside of this place because uh, I've seen your music do so many amazing things. I, you've seen him rock a crowd. You yeah. see how it works. Well, man. and plus, I mean, uh, Sleep Cycles, which is the new project yep. that's out mm-hmm. now. Yep. Uh, in nine tracks. You can find it on digital platforms uh, and. Uh, cohesively it's a great put together package yeah you know um and thank you i agree with that well and it's something to where you guys have a great way of making it a solid project in the sense of mixing the singing with the screaming Mm -hmm. the metal with the not necessarily alt sounds but hard rock sounds um did you guys have more than nine because it seems like you guys have so much music to present when we wrote that record we did 23 songs we ended up recording 13 so the digital the reason why the digital release has only nine songs was because for two reasons one we are terrible at knowing how some of that online stuff works so we released the singles rather than putting it on the oh record. my god alfonso you're killing lie. me man i'm not gonna lie about that because i had a hand in that so that's my bad but number two we also were looking at making it so that people had more of incentive to actually pick up a physical copy and just realize that there was more on that physical copy. So it would be, you know, it would behoove us more to say, hey, come to our city release party. You're going to get 13 tracks on this physical record than right. going online and you're only going to get nine. And we had 23 songs. We we went in and did two more uh, on our own <clears throat> right before we released the record. And so that was kind of like the point of that. But now we've already, we have already another six new songs. We're already working on a new record. We're doing a bunch of stuff on it. So. Yeah. So that was going to be, so you've got this, this stint with, with King 810. Mm-hmm. And then is it back in the studio to put the album together? We've been in the studio since we released the record. <laughs> they never, I, I, no I don't sleep. ever leave the studio. I, no I sleep. Really yeah. Did. Yeah. So we, we released the record and like two months after it went right back to the studio and started writing and recording more stuff or just. Yeah. We have buffing up on some of the other stuff that we have, so we've been doing that for a while now. So we've got uh, we've got about six songs written. Where they're gonna end up, I don't know. But yeah, man, we're I mean we're like we're always working, dude. Always yeah. after this King A One O tour, we will be back in the studio. But we're also just doing some shows here and there. We're trying to focus more on getting some better named tours and being support on some, you know, bigger, more not bigger, but like just more relevant or having bigger names added to that for us to be support on that. Yeah. And then honestly, just working on our content, like our YouTube content. That stuff's so important nowadays. Yes, it you know? is. Oh, yeah. Like. Content is so so ridiculously important. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're not you're not just a band anymore or a business. Like you are a content provider. Right. Exactly. And the music has to coincide with the lifestyle, and exactly. you have to give people both in order to get them emotionally linked to you. It used to be yep. you just do enough shows, you can tour them in a submission. Yep. Yep. Now you literally have to bring them in to your, your world. Life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and that's and that's been something that's like I think hard at times because. You know, a lot of bands, especially that have more money behind them and bigger names behind them and stuff like that, they're selling you a product and some of that 
let's be honest, a lot of bands still do the whole like fake it till you make it. So you're right. like, oh my God, they must be making millions of dollars and they're not talking about that they're working at the coffee shop down the road. We don't have that ethos. We don't follow those rules. We're just like, this is who we are and we're struggling sometimes and we all have day jobs and we're all trying to make this all work. So for us to come up with the content, we just has to feel genuine because it needs to be genuine from us. So we'll get on YouTube, we'll release some videos, we'll do certain things and then we kind of fall back and we're like, oh, we'll try to get this again. So it's, you know, back and forth. So sleep, I'm I'm coming at this as a music director for a rock station, right? And I recognize that the scene in Lansing is very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Sleep Cycles is more in tune with the Lansing area, very, very hard. Mm-hmm. But I come at it like, I want to get your songs on the air. This album is way harder than the mm-hmm. previous one. Like, what determined that choice? Or, like, how is it that your art is harder this time? than the last one was there a process or is it just this is just the flow of this one and how it worked out it's just it's just the flow okay so i i myself in the band i'm always the guy which is funny because i sing a lot and i live i love a lot of melodic stuff and i really like a lot of cheesy like pop stuff as well but i'm always the guy that's always like no it needs to be heavier it needs to be heavier <laughs> but how do we make it heavy and melodic so it's really weird like we'll get in the studio and i'm like yeah that riff crushes but there's too much singing how do we make it like heavier or, like whatever and then the guy sprinkling there their sort of ideas. It really was just the flow, but also us going like it needs to crush. So there are some songs on that CD that it's like if you just take out the vocals that are singing and you listen to the riff, it's like it's a super, super heavy riff. But for me, I myself, as a contributor to the songwriter, don't ever want to put something out that doesn't mesh with what it is that we're really all about so i'm not gonna sit here and say we're gonna put out a cd that sounds like incubus right you know left crow the murder i i that's what they do but that's not what we do we're not gonna pull a uh um a sugar ray you know we're not gonna pull out i'm not talking you know. about going that far just like <laughs> so, just just bring it back a little bit no, like sometimes yeah. when you have that how oh, can we make it harder you just say let me have some tea first for but, sure but, but i feel like and, you have to put it then that's putting who you are as a person on the back burner to put a product out okay, that's not really okay. you. And, you can't, and that's the journey of every artist yeah, that yeah. wants to be on yeah. the radio. It's, it's, and it's like, I just want in your next collaborative effort to consider what I'm going through. No, yeah, I, yeah. We, got, we got a few of your songs on New Q Sundays yeah, yeah. You're right here on Q06. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Michigan's Rock Station. I think we're playing what? Cloud uh, Transmissions? Uh, let's and, see. Cloud Transmissions, yep. uh, Rose Casket Diaries, yeah. uh, and there's another one uh, we are. Oh, that's cloud transmission. Right? Oh, that's pro- cl- okay. Probably love letter. No, is what you have. I yeah, we we did play love. We letter. did love, but letter. there's one more from that previous album that we played because cloud transmissions was my background. Coffin chaser. Coffin chaser. Yeah. Coffin chaser. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah that riff in that one. Woo. And for us, so <laughs> and that's I think what we're trying to aim for for this next record. The kind of things that we're doing. We definitely have a lot of heavy stuff, but we're coming up with a lot more melodic stuff. Yeah, man. For that reason, but and we do it. We're not sitting there going, we need to make a radio hit that needs to sound like right. Nickelback. We're not right. doing oh, I, that. Oh, I know. You know. For, oh, I know. So for us, oh, I know. It's it comes as sort of like it's got to be organic, and mm-hmm. the reality. Reality is our biggest song right now on you know the the streaming platform is Love Letter. It got picked up by some Spotify playlists and it's a super wow. soft song, but it's like got like almost 160,000 plays and spins on 
on Spotify. And that song really came up just like as the last minute, like we were in the studio and, you know, Josh, our producer was like, so you want to do one more? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I've got this riff. And he's like, well, that riff is the only other riff that it's like, there's no other song that's super soft on this. So maybe let's go with that. And we're like, okay. And, and that came from that and it was organic, <laughs> yeah. you know, for sure. So absolutely. You're absolutely right. It would, it would be a lie to say that as a band, especially as a metal band, if you want to reach a bigger demographic, you have to, in some way, find a compromise within your own personal pride, yes, yes. within your own personal art and what you think your art needs to be and what people are going to digest and where they're going to help you take. It's but it's see, a, it's hard. But it's people, really hard. The word compromise is difficult and I yeah. don't like that word. It is. I like the word translation. Yeah. Because yeah. instead of in, when you go to China, you're going to speak you're going to want to speak English, mm -hmm. but you want Chinese people to kind of see who you are and expect who you are. Exactly. So it's like you, it's okay to take your own thoughts and ideas of course. and yeah. change them into Mandarin Chinese a little bit. But I also so you can kind of reach an equal ground with the people you're trying to reach. Yeah. I also think uh, just two days ago we watched Slipknot sell out fifteen. And I was 000. literally going to say that, but that's the thing. If you look, if you look at Slipknot's career, their first record, I think we can all agree the the fact that that band got huge the way that they have is an anomaly it that is. should have never yeah. happened it's a one in a million. at all that's a one in a million drop yeah. in the bucket, right? Their second record comes out and it's like heavier than the first yeah. and you're like can they do this again and they just got bigger but yeah. i think it was because of the atmosphere that it came in that work but then after that they've released a lot of songs that are still slipknot but yeah. are a yes. lot more palatable. well you look at like snuff you look at yeah. you know uh, there's a lot of songs, exactly but it's just it's i think it's important just as much to make adjustments but to also stay in the lane that you were born and i feel like harpsic has their own lane when you think of lansing and there's nothing wrong with any of the lansing there's not a band out there right now in michigan let alone you could say in the midwest that has the sound that you exactly guys have. and that to me was the most important part about this about this record and this band is that with the first release, the self-titled, I feel it was like, if you listen to that record, it's trying to find where, where that road is. I think this record, we were like, we need to define our sound, but we need to be different than everybody else. And we started incorporating these like 80s and sort of like death tones, kind of melancholy tones and these eight string guitars and down tune and stuff. And we really wanted to create something that was us. And I think that we've done that. And now the, 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 the new road that we're trying to take is, okay, we've got our sound now. We figured something out that doesn't sound like anybody else and you're right a lot of awesome lansing bands nothing wrong with them but we don't want to sound like right. any of those bands and we don't want to sound like any band that's out there right now because i think that's the biggest problem in rock and roll and metal right now and the reason why in some aspects it is in a lull because you have an industry that doesn't want to let go of the reins the way that it was before they right. still think it's the 90s and people yeah. are just going to consume everything else on top of metal bands have a really bad habit of just copying what every other bigger band is doing. So it's like Azalea Dying came out yeah. and they got big and it was like, everybody sound like Azalea Dying. Yeah. Killswitch Engage came out and they got big. Everybody sound like Killswitch oh Engage. Oh my you know? God. This yeah. entire market sometimes yeah. feels like it wants to be Killswitch Engage. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 for as much as I love those bands and for as much as yes. I, I gravitate to a lot of those bands, I don't want to be anything like those bands. And that's the tough part for us is we're different right and yeah. we're heavy but we're different that people are like 
I don't know where to place this sometimes. I mean, they kind of sound like the Deftones, but they kind of have this Slipknot vibe, but they also kind of have... So I think in some ways that works well for us, but in some ways it works against us. But that's okay because the more we separate ourselves from the pack but do what we're doing, the more we retain that originality that bands like Slipknot that bands like Metallica that bands like you know Breaking Benjamin or whatever else are able to do and then people piggyback off of that for me that's the most important part I think I think though I I didn't really obviously uh, I'm new in the Lansing market so I'm from Flint so I'm very familiar with King but with moving here, Span, first thing he told me when we start, he's like, you have to discover hearts. Like, you have to learn about them. And I was like, okay. I love you. But the thing is, is <laughs> I learned I learned about your band in two different levels, though. And I think that everyone needs to experience bands the way that you should, which is you hear the album, you listen to the singles, you check them out mm-hmm. on Spotify. But then go to the shows. Yep. Because seeing you perform live as opposed to what you hear the energy that you bring mm-hmm. is is very similar to to you know to bring King up again. The oh, energy absolutely. that they it's two different bands because it, it's not an easy task to go and doing clean vocals is is a lot easier than screaming, obviously. But it's also it's very difficult to do what you do on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, and the level that we're coming in towards the Spotify, it's the digital age and everything mm-hmm. like that. Seeing a band live and experiencing that and supporting the band. Absolutely. I mean, when you guys were at Michigan Metal Fest, you had the tent, you had the merch all set up, you mm-hmm. had the CDs and everything. Yeah. How important is that to you to continue to put out new stuff, to continue to put out new clothing and new... I mean, it's it's everything, man, because that's the only way that people are going to come out and really get what the band is really about. You can you can listen. Listen, I, I'm, I have no problem admitting my faults. On record, when I'm recording... I have a very hard time pushing out that emotion the way that I would do it live. Our producer yells at me all of the time. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, this is hard. Dave from King and One is amazing at yeah. that. Dave can do it in the studio and he can do it live. I need to work on that in the studio, but I can push that out live no matter what. So, you know, it 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 becomes this sort of tug and pull in that aspect. And I believe that those things are super important to us because we want people to come out to a show and experience and like you said yeah if if you're like a band go watch them live and experience that because it's going to be completely different especially nowadays where any band can make an amazing record right and then you go see them live and you're like it's ah, a disappointment sometimes it's disappointing some of my favorite you bands know? you know and that's why i think i love like i like bands like knocked loose and left behind Dude, and so you know, good because it's like you go to those shows and not only is the crowd involvement the definition of like a hardcore show from oh, New dude. York City, like mm-hmm. seeing them live and seeing all the kids feel that energy. Mm-hmm. You guys do that very similar in the sense you're right up in the face yeah, of the yeah. crowd. You're Absolutely. letting them know we're here and you're going to respect us. Absolutely. You know, it's so important. You, you had one last one. Yeah, I got one last question. And this is uh, just um, you, you mentioned earlier you got bullied and beat up a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. So, like, at what point in your training did someone like come up on you and you folded them up with a knife? <laughs> like oh, a full, and you were like, okay, all right, okay, I see Yo, the difference now. Glad you asked that because that moment is etched in my brain <laughs> forever. I remember the exact perfect moment that that happened. And yo, Vinny, if you're listening to this, he's one of my best friends from back home, and he was like, 
me and him would fight all the time. Like we would get into fights every single day, and Vinny would beat me up. Wait, all he was the your time. friend, and he would beat you. Yes, up? Yes, we had a weird dichotomy. <laughs> I was about to up. say, and everything about this is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super weird, right? So Vinny's Vinny's one of my best friends ever. He lives in Miami. Uh, and well, he was all he, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like he bullied the ever living piss out of me all the time. And I remember I was 13 years old. Then he kept messing with so me. So wait, four years into your everyday training. No. So I was nine when I started. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Four years into it. When did you, when did you, first, when did he first start bullying? You? Oh, the moment I moved into my, my <laughs> neighborhood. Second. He was, he was my first, oh. he was my first bully, dude. So it took four years of training for you to get to a point. Yeah. I'm a very passive person, dude. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't like it. Oh, I, so you had the knowledge. This is just the first moment you actually executed. Yeah. Because I got sick of being bullied all the time and getting my butt. Wait, whooped. so that whole time he was bullying you and you had all these techniques down you knew how to put them in pieces i i think i did but here's the weird part about dude i got being... like two years I, t I got two years of judo and like nine jujitsu le bjj lessons with you okay i took american karate for like two years i took taekwondo for two years and i did my own little bit of muay thai training just kicking really hard things and at the bottom just crazy like literally one year of judo, judo, I was like, all that other stuff doesn't matter. <laughs> all that other stuff doesn't matter. So I know you could have put both of his elbows in the direct center of his butt crack. I, so anyway, <laughs> what? Tell me this. I'm sorry. So, no, no, it's cool. You know, yes, I'm sure I possessed the knowledge at the time, but at, at 13 years old and having gone through a lot of things and being bullied that whole time, you you sort of victimize yourself you're like i can't do this or that's the weird part about oh, when people have okay. these these powers over you you you're afraid to fight back you're afraid to do things and me being a passive person i don't like hurting anything if you if you ask any of my training partners i'm always like dude are you okay like i don't want to hurt anybody or anything i like, trained with you i, I know exactly how I, I don't like it at all i don't like violence and when i first started judo and martial arts, the very first thing that was said to me was, this is not to go out and to hurt people. This is to defend yourself if you ever need it. And I, I take that very, very seriously. It's something, an ethos that I live by. Do no harm. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to cause anybody harm. So I got bullied a lot all the time. And Vinny would, you know, beat my butt every day. And finally, I think it just got to a point where I was so sick of it and getting bullied and watching everybody laugh at me and crying all the time and going to my dad and, you know, being the ousted kid in the neighborhood that he like tried to fight me and I grabbed his neck and I just 100 percent. I I did I uh, did Ogoshi, which was like a hip toss. I I makakomied him, which means I landed right on top of him. Oh my god! And I punched him in the face, and he just started crying. He everybody, was dazed the minute yeah. your body landed on him, and yeah. then you punched him in the yeah. face. Yeah, and everybody just looked, and I was like, "Stop it!" And that's it. Never mess with me again. <laughs> it takes that one moment. Never mess with me again. Did it shut? Was he the only bully, or were there other people? Oh, they all stopped after that. Yeah. Like everybody oh, was there, and they were like. Okay. <laughs> you and look, that was it. It's crazy. I went through the same similar because I grew up in Detroit and yeah. I went, uh, I had karate and my dad put me in and it was that first experience of being on the playground and you get punched in the face and when you punch back, it stops. Yeah. But then now I look at like, I look at your figure and your posture yeah. and I was like, I could have kept doing it and now I'm just like a blob. Nah, nah, you know. <laughs> like I look at you and it's like it, it, the level of discipline 
it doesn't stop once you turn 18 years. You have no, to keep going. With absolutely. It, you know, um, I, you know, well, black th- belt's the starting point, right? Oh, dude, like, yeah, that's just yeah. the mastery yeah. of the basics. Yeah, now exactly. you're actually on yeah, the exactly. journey. And there's first degree, second degree. Uh, you know, degree, a, black third, belt, yeah. a black belt is a white belt that never gave up. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That, that's really all it is. There's always continued learning. And I think that the way that I apply all this to what we do as a band and music in my life is a very simple, a, a very simple sort of mental way of thinking about it is is that i can only control so much until it is out of my control and then i have to either trust my instincts or just let things happen yeah and martial arts is the same thing as i'm not i'm not in control until i am i'm learning always learning i'm always learning i've i can go up against the same person five six seven ten times and get my the ever-living you know mud kicked out of me and then that one 48th time it finally works so it's the same thing man it's just uh you know i i just want to be the best person that i can be and i want this band to be the best that it can be and we're never going to stop being that no matter what the success is because once you say i've mastered this you lost yeah it's over yeah well we're excited uh this is one of the shows i've been looking forward to this summer so this saturday at the loft downtown lansing buy tickets buy some merch support these bands that are touring they're not in giant tour buses with multi-million dollar tvs on the everybody's everybody's still out there uh hustling so get out there and support it this saturday at the loft Uh, tickets at the loft lansing.com yep there you go yep thank you so much alfonso thanks man thanks guys new album is sleep cycles go get it on all your streaming platforms. Do it. Yes. It's good, I promise. Awesome. (laughs) Have a good one.